Hey there, welcome to episode 22 of Let's Be Real. And today is a podcast where I'm going to ask us to just kind of let's be real. That's the point and the goal behind this whole thing is to just take the opportunity to ask ourselves questions, to evaluate, do I do that? To sit with that, really think about it, and then maybe even start to notice it in our lives if it is indeed a problem. Now, this is a very big topic. It's relatively new to me. I read it in a book a couple of years ago, and I was it was eye-opening, like, huh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And then I proceeded to not even finish the book, not even get past the first chapter where it presents this topic. And over the last couple of days, it's brought me thinking back to it, and then I reread part of the first chapter yesterday and still didn't go any further than it, because it is a book written by a man who's way too smart for me. Like, it's hard. It takes a lot of work for me to read his books He's an author, a philosopher, a writer by the name of J.P. Moreland. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. I am, and he's just, he's brilliant, and it makes me realize that, whoa, I am like down here on a whole different level. But he has a book called The Kingdom Triangle, and it's about recovering the Christian mind, renovating the soul, and restoring the spirit's power. That's kind of the tagline to the book. But the first chapter and how the book starts out, it is called The Hunger for Drama in a Thin World. If that title doesn't make you go, hmm, interesting, I don't know what will because I think we can all agree that around us we see a hunger for drama. And I was just really surprised to kind of hear how it's laid out in regards to Christians and our Christian walk. So I'm just kind of going to maybe verbally process that with you this morning as I'm not entirely sure that this will take up a whole podcast But it is the idea and the concept that he lays out that we are indeed, as believers, created for drama. Whether we know it or not, it doesn't really matter who you are or what you believe, he says. You love drama. In fact, you hunger for it. God made you, yes, you, to lead a dramatic life. No doubt you've had this experience at the mall. Okay, so I have never had this experience at the mall, but we see it it in TV shows. So maybe you have, but I haven't. So this is his example. You are walking by the electronic section of a department store when you come upon a crowd of people gathered around a TV set. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The home team is down by a run. The bases are loaded with two outs, and the team's leading hitter is at the plate. There's drama in the air, and people are compelled to stop to see what happens. From romance novels to Harrison Ford movies to athletic events to tense moments on the evening news, people love to experience drama, even if only vicariously. So he goes on to give an example from his own life of being a football player and freshman year, they lost to this rival team and it ruined their perfect record for the year. But now it's his senior year and again, they have this perfect record. Both teams, you know, it's rival time coming down to the last minute. Long story short, they his team wins and it's this life experience that he relives over and over again longing and waiting for something that exciting and full of drama and tension to come into his life again. He called it this longing that he just kept playing this game of memory in his head and he fed off of it. And he kept asking and saying like, man, if only life were like that game. That if only there were a quest or a cause or a war or a real and important theater that commanded all that I have and for which the stakes are high. Oh, how I wish life could be like that. Why is my life so mundane? Why can't daily life be dramatic? I am guessing that in our lives, we've probably all had something 
dramatic happen. For some of us, maybe really exciting things like J.P. Moreland lays out, something that he relives over and over again in his head. I also know that for a lot of people, the drama isn't necessarily good. So we've all understood, we've all experienced some sort of drama that Webster's Dictionary defines drama as an exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events or set of circumstances. The book continues to talk about this persistent hunger for drama that we have. And it's typically because we feel boredom in our own lives. We are unsatisfied in our own lives. I've heard it said that we would rather suffer than be bored in this culture that we live in. And in order for us to kind of fix and deal with this whole idea of boredom, for many of us, all at different times in our lives, and maybe not always, but possibly sometimes, we'll look for drama. We will look to drama. We might even create drama or invite in somebody else's drama just to help alleviate our boredom. And this creates just an addiction to these dramatic stories and you know, media-driven celebrities, sports, and other vicarious substitutes right, for our own authentic drama. Okay, so I like drama shows on TV. I really enjoy them. I just got turned on to two true crime podcasts. I've been listening to one and I'm like, this is so good. And I actually have to wait for a new episode every week because unlike the Netflix culture that we have, I decided to start it in the beginning when it was live instead of just waiting until it was all done and I could binge all the way through. And it has me like waiting for it every week. Wait, what day is it? Is the next podcast coming out? I got to hear what happened next. Like, it draws you in. I love how JP kind of points out that this hunger pain for drama, that as a culture, as a society, especially here in the Americas, but probably worldwide too, at some sort of extent, is that to quote him, it says that the current addiction to the cult of celebrity and professional sports, along with our preoccupation with happiness, tells us something about our true nature and the bankruptcy of our culture. And it's that this society, this culture, will never be able to satisfy our hunger for drama. He continues to go on through this chapter. There's a ton of information. It's very difficult to summarize. He goes in and talks about a book called The Crisis of Our Age by Pitram Sorkin. And it's really talking about the different types of cultures in the world, really talking about one That is, I think, very apparent and very obvious to us in the world that we live. So he's talking about a culture that is primarily driven by happiness and that that is what they're searching for, not necessarily meaning or purpose, but the feeling and the experience of happiness. From the book, it says, happiness is a good thing, all things being considered, but if it's overemphasized or made the focus of of one's life, it leads to depression, a loss of purpose in life, and a deep-seated sense of fragmentation. says that, in short, it can ruin your life. For one thing, there are more important things in life than being happy. There's a larger meaning and a bigger purpose that should be our life's aim. Simply put, we are wired for more than happiness. We are made to live for God's honor by learning how to become spiritually competent, mature members of his kingdom, and to make that kingdom our primary concern. And he goes on and just talks about so much destruction in us as people, in our culture, by this kind of pursuing of drama. 
And when the hunger of drama isn't fulfilled because this this society, this culture can't really sustain and truly fulfill the hunger of drama that we have, then we're looking for happiness. Anything to experience and to feel, hungering after and searching them for happiness, in turn does destroy us. Because when we don't have it, when that's our aim, we're faced with the opposite. And then it talks about how then you see a bunch of empty selves and he goes on to define what an empty self is. You really should buy this book and read the first chapter. (laughs) And then you can put it down and you can stop again. And then he goes on to define a tool that philosophers use called thin and thick worlds as they kind of have these discussions around possible worlds. I don't fully understand all of it, but I would say that the difference between a thin world and a thick world is a thin world is one without a whole lot of morality or purpose or deep thought or philosophizing. It's one that has like zero meaning. We're just here. We're just doing our thing. That's it. There's no afterlife. There's no nothing. Like it's thin. Think of a skinny little book. It doesn't, there's not much to say about it. In a thick world, he uses the example of Islam, would be considered a thick world where there is a purpose. There is morality. There is a God. There is an afterlife. There is all of these things that make it more substantial, if you'll say. Thicker book, like a thick world. But it's in this discussion between a thin world and a thick world that really (laughs) makes me wonder. I was like, man, do philosophers just make up more stuff to help them talk about more stuff? Okay, anyway, he talks about and kind of describes a little bit more of what this hunger for drama looks like in a thin world, in a world where there's not a whole lot of purpose or drive or morality, where there's not a whole lot of depth, but in that possible world of a thin world. He talks about how people are made in the image of God, whether or not they acknowledge it. And the hunger to be part of some dramatic purpose bigger than they are will not go away. As a result, more and more people seek to satisfy the hunger for drama by attaching value to relatively meaningless events, such as the Super Bowl, or by living vicariously through their favorite celebrity, thus the incredible popularity of People Magazine and its imitators. Since these substitutes for real drama do not satisfy, they become addictive. And as a result, society is increasingly populated by passive people whose greatest fear is not suffering, but boredom. And he goes on and on through study after study to define what this looks like in a thin world and what this looks like in a thick world. And a lot of times they're like, okay, I don't really understand all of this. This is too much for me. But what I take away from all of this and what hits me and strikes me is this concept of drama. How we are created in God's image. And that includes a love and a hunger for drama. And I've never really thought about it. It's like, okay, so if I have this in my life, this desire for drama, where am I going to allow that drama to come from? Because it can drama can be made and it can be invited in or it can be placed in something. There is a book called Visual Theology and it's written by Tim Challies and Josh Byers. And it's talking about essentially the drama of the gospel, the drama of God. All the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. But it isn't a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. In this book, they will remind us that we are all part of a great tale, a great drama that is guided and directed by a sovereign storyteller. For some time, Christians have understood it as a four-act drama, and they go through creation as act one, the fall as act two, 
Redemption is act three, and then a new creation is act four, and they lay it out as a big picture drama. And it has all the components. It really, really does. It has, you know, this beautiful beginning of God is the creator, and man is made in his image, and everything is good, and man was made for perfect fellowship. Like, we've got this beautiful start, and then we have this fall, the crash, like the impetus for the rest of the story, right? We've got man falling into sin, and man being banished from God's presence, but then mankind's relationship from God was severed, and now mankind and the earth are living under a curse. So now we have the problem. And then you move in to act three, which is the redemption. And then you move into act four, the new creation and how it all kind of ties up all neat with a tidy bow. We are made to thrive in the drama of God and the drama of the gospel. We should be satisfied by drama in that. But just like we talked about in four different episodes of preaching the gospel to ourselves, the gospel primer, I think it was episodes like 18 to 21, maybe. No, less than that. It's back there. You'll find it if you want to re-listen to it. But if we're not preaching the gospel to ourselves, we're going to miss out on the drama. And if we're not focused on the drama of God and of who he is and what he has done and the story of him and his word, we're going to fill that need with the drama of this world. As my mom will say, look up, look around, Kmart shoppers. There is plenty of drama to go around. I mean, look everywhere. Right now, the world is full of drama. I think some of that is the consequence of the fact that we've been trying to satisfy drama for many, many years in other things and other people and not God. But we are seeing it loud and clear all over our lack of focus on the drama of God, but on the drama of this world. We could go into a very long talk, and maybe we will in the future. And so then what do we do about that right now in this culture with all the things going on? I think one of the points made in the book about this desire to be part of something bigger, to be part of a cause, to be part of a movement, that's being satisfied right now for a lot of people is picking up causes and movements and wanting to be part of something bigger and being very vocal about it, which is great. We should be doing those things, but we should not do that in replace of being involved in the greater work of God and of the gospel. They can be done simultaneously, but we can't replace the motive of our heart with one over the other. Let's do them simultaneously. Let it be the drama of the story of the gospel and of God that drives us into the good works that he has set out before us to move into these situations and to help and to do the work that God has set for us to help with healing, to help so many other things. Like I can't even have this conversation easily because one, you're not in front of me and I think it would be a dynamic, wonderful conversation to sit down with people and have. But two, it's going to look so different for absolutely everybody in this time with so much drama going on. So my question for you today how I premised this podcast of we need to let's be real is I'm going to back it up to something a bit more simple, not quite so big, not quite so world seen right now, but in our own hearts. Ask yourself, do I really hunger for worldly drama more than I hunger for the drama of God, who he is, what his story is, and what his word tells me? Because I think the very easy answer is yes, if we're all very honest with ourselves. And I'm going to point that back to relationships. And I think it's 
probably a pretty safe claim and a safe bet to say that we've all had drama in relationships. <laughs> Can anybody yell an amen? <laughs> through, through, through the iPhone, through the cell phone, through the computer, however you're listening. Uh, I think that's an easy one to say is that relationships can come indeed laced with drama. It can end relationships. It can start relationships. It can cause a lot of difficulties and it can cause a lot of difficult questions to be had. And we like to say, oh, you know what? That person's dramatic. They're just a drama queen. Yeah, there are people out there. But think about it. So think about this need for drama now. Think about that in not only your own life and then the life of others. I think it actually helps us understand things a little bit better. Like, okay, well, they're obviously trying to fill something. There's a hole and a hunger that they're trying to satisfy. Or you have to ask yourself, when you find yourself being a bit dramatic or spreading that rumor or gossiping about this person, being part of the drama, you need to ask yourself, okay, so what hunger am I trying to satisfy and with what? I'm using the hunger of drama and I'm satisfying it with something that honors God or not. We are told in the book of Romans in chapter 12, I'll read it to you starting in verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Let's even say drama for drama. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's tricky to live at peace with everyone, especially when there's so much drama going on. Verse 19 says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but be overcome with good. Don't be overcome by drama of the world. Be overcome by drama of God. That's my challenge to you this week. Pay attention to your life. Do you entice and incite and welcome drama? Drama of the world. And if you don't have any going on, do you welcome other people's drama to satisfy that hunger pain? Do you wait week after week like I have been for another dramatic podcast or movie or show to kind of fill that hunger of like, yes, or like the definition of drama, an exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events. There is something that happens in us in the anticipation of something exciting or of emotional, like it's an experience, is it not? And we love it. We love it and we like it. Where are we looking for it? That is my question for you right now. Where are you looking for your drama to be filled? Is it in the news? Is it in social media? Or is it in God's word and who he is? And I think that is something we need to sit with this week and walk every day asking yourself like, ooh, that was a bit dramatic. And guess what? You're going to see it in other people real easy, real fast, because that's what we do. The things that we struggle with, we see in other people way easier than we see it in ourselves. So when you start to feel yourself go, oh, yeah, that was a bit dramatic. Okay, drama queen. Well, stop. Turn around on yourself. Have I ever done that? Is that what it looks like on me? And why do I try to satisfy my drama, my drama hunger, my drama quotient for the day with the things of this world. This world is not our home. 
These things will never satisfy. It will only make us want more and more and more. So let's ask ourselves, let's evaluate our drama, and let's fill it with the goodness and the faithfulness of God.